Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest is a grand poobah, I mean a grandmaster, in all things pistol caliber carbine and shooting in North Carolina. He is one of the match directors that submitted stages for the Carolina Classic. So join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. Ike Stump. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Welcome to the show. And if you would just take a moment and introduce yourself. Sure. Uh, my name is Ike Starnes. I'm a North Carolina native. Grew up in a farm community in Caldwell County. Moved to Mecklenburg County in my 20s to go to school and stayed here. Been living in the Charlotte area ever since. Uh, started competing here. Um, about a decade ago and been doing that all over area six for 10 years now. All right. So you've been in this for 10 years now. Yeah. Right at 10 years. Okay. Cause that will lead right into a question. I was unsure how long you'd been in. So that helps me with the question later on. Sounds good. Ike, what I like to do is just ambush all of my guests right up front with some very difficult questions. That way we can kind of set the mood. We'll get it right out there. Do it. All right. Here we go. Favorite movie? Pulp Fiction. Oh, nice. Classic. I like it. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. At one point, I knew every word from beginning to end. You know, watched... people who people who love that movie are exactly like that. Yeah, I'd watched it so many times I could, I could tell you the movie from beginning to end. What is the... Uh... Oh, what is that? What is uh, what is something called in French? Oh, Big Pants? Yeah. No, no. It was the Whopper? Quarter Pounder. Was it? Was, was it? Yeah, Quarter Pounder. Oh, Quarter. There you go. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Man, so that he, is... he asked him about the Quarter Pounder, and he said, uh, it's a La, La Royale with cheese. And then he said, what's a Big Mac? And he said, I don't know. I didn't go into Burger King. <laughs> There are so many great lines in that movie. It is amazing. Oh, my gosh. All right. I have found that most people nowadays don't read. If you do, what's your favorite book? Oh, um, I would say The Hobbit. Okay. I read it when I was a kid. And then when my kids were little, uh, like six, maybe six, seven years old, uh, we started reading it together and I would read a few pages every night and then they would read it and we got through the whole thing together. So I would say that. Okay. Uh, it has, has good memories. Based on your looks, I'm guessing they're 30 or 40 now. Uh, no, my kids are grown, but they're, they're in their twenties. Yeah. 20, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was just messing with you. <laughs> no, you're close. <laughs> yeah. My birthday was yesterday. I'm 52. So yeah, you're close. <laughs> My birthday was just this past weekend, and I'm well, happy 57. Birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday to you. Boy, between us, we're 109. I know, a decade. How do you like that? Crazy. I mean, a century. Sorry. <laughs> no, you were right. A decade. <laughs> no, <laughs> Squared, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If you're into superheroes, who's your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure? No, not into superheroes at all. Okay. Uh, 
Uh, I never yeah. liked them even as a kid. I, I don't like the supernatural ability kind of thing. Never been into that. Um, if I had to pick a, a superhero, I would probably say Batman. But I would go with the historical figure instead. I would say um, Leonidas. Okay. Yeah. Sparta. Yeah. I don't think I you like can. Beat, I don't. I don't think you can beat that story. <laughs> no, no, you definitely can't beat that story. That's a, yeah, that's a pretty good one. All right, your favorite gun of all time. It doesn't have to be one that you own, um, and your favorite caliber, and they don't have to be paired together. Like just because it might be a nineteen eleven, doesn't mean your favorite caliber is a forty five. Gotcha. Um, favorite caliber would probably be a, a toss up between two, two, three, because I like to shoot the AR, uh, platform. I like to reload two, two, three. Um, that's, you know, America's caliber kind of, but I also like the 22 TCM. Uh, oh. that thing is just super loud and f makes a big fireball. I mean, you do that at the indoor range. It, it gets people's attention. <laughs> Let's invite Chris Gelnet down. He'll do that with his open. Oh hand. God, his gun's ridiculous. I thank you. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a whole other division just for his gun. Yeah, that, that thing is crazy. His gun and one of the guys that I shoot with a lot, uh, Oral Babsay, his gun. Those guys are both just obnoxiously loud. Mm -hmm. and, and he shoots our indoor match, so it's it's like oh Lord, God, I, I hate that. Now I just got a text message from him. Wow. <laughs> As we're talking about him. His ears are burning. <laughs> wow. That's weird. Uh, Chris walked over at the Carolina Classic to um, Chrono, and I was like, I'm out. I am leaving. I do not. I did not get away fast enough. One round went off. I was probably still 10, 10 yards outside. And I still felt like I could feel the concussive blast from that thing. I it was him. crazy. Yeah, I rode him this year on the three-purse stage, my stage. Um, okay. And so I'm standing behind him, and he's just ripping three at a time. And that, that was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> my God. That's where you want to do the old um, still challenge rimfire thing, have the timer on a stick. <laughs> oh, yeah. I could probably have picked him up from the parking lot, really. Yeah. I could probably told you who was shooting from wherever I was at. Yep. Oh, and you said favorite gun. Uh, my favorite gun is my PCC. I, I love it. It's okay. Um, what is it? It's a battle arms development, uh, nine millimeter blowback. Uh, they actually built it for me. Kind of a weird story. They, they had a gun similar to it when they went to shot show in 2018. I think it was, they sent out an emailer with that gun, uh, the picture of that gun in the, in the, the header of the email. And I called them up and said, I want that gun. And they said, well, you know, that was a one-off thing. We don't have that gun. They were trying to sell me one of their other rifles. And I said, no, I want that gun. They said, well, it had to be a custom build. And I said, okay, custom build it for me. And they came back like a week later and said, well, it's going to be, you know, expensive. XYZ. Be. Yeah. yeah. And I said, 
you're not listening to me. I, I want the gun, right? Just, just build I didn't the gun. ask you how much it was. I said, I want the gun. Yeah. And, and they said, so you want it exactly like in the picture? And I said, yes, exactly like in the picture. I want that, that blue gun, you know? And finally, I, in like December, I think it was, they finally said, okay, they, they agreed to build the gun. And I got it in April of the next year. And I took it to the range and shot it a few times and then just put it away. Um, and at the time, a lot of the guys that shot with us at our local match were, were switching from production to PCC or from limited to PCC. PCC was kind of like the, the hot new thing. Okay. And I said, okay, fine. I'm just going to shoot that thing. And um, we had scheduled a all-classifier match for June. So I decided, okay, I'm going to just start practicing with this thing. And I'm going to shoot that all-classifier match with PCC and see what happens. And I put in a lot of work over, April, not April, but May and June, and then shot that match in September, I think it was finally, when we actually had the match, and made master. I show up at the pistol match the next weekend, and the classifier system had run and, and it had you know recorded me as a master in PCC. And all the guys at the, at the pistol match that we shoot with said, hey, congratulations on making A class in limited. I said, what are you talking about? You know, I, I didn't shoot limited last year. I shot PCC. You know, I made master in PCC. They said, yeah, and now you're going to be A-class in, in limited. And I said, no, those don't have anything to do with it. Huh? And they showed me in the rule book. Yeah, it does. And so I looked it yeah. up on the USPSA website, and sure enough, I got bumped. I was like, oh, no, this is no good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it so, looks like I'm out of limited. <laughs> yeah, and I, I kind of just basically <laughs> shot myself out of shooting limited anymore. But, yeah. So I love well, that. That's a good story. Plus, that that answers how in the world you got into PCC. Yeah, that's how so, I got myself stuck in that. <laughs> so, would that have been when you say shot show at twenty eighteen? So, are we talking then twenty nineteen is when you got the gun? Yeah, I got the gun in in April. Okay, uh, Mar four March months April. after they agreed. Yeah, yeah March okay. or April of of twenty nineteen, and basically didn't do anything with it. Shot a couple of matches in June, I think, or July. I have to look again. Um, because we, were, I think we were supposed to have our classifier match in June or July, and then it got pushed. And I, I'm pretty sure we wound up doing it in September. And we shot six stages that night. Um, I made master and then found out that I was not basically not going to be competitive and, and limited anymore as far as major matches and stuff goes. <laughs> so <laughs> kind of shot myself right out of that. 22 TCM, since we're still on favorite guns and calibers, we haven't really moved off. That is an interesting caliber. Now, how how did you get onto that? Uh, at the indoor range, yeah. My buddy at the range, the, the range manager, uh, Steve Wittenberg, um, he put me onto it because they, they have one there in the, the rental cabinet. And basically what they do is – and it's not really nice, but what they do is when somebody's being a butt on the range or not following the rules, yeah, <laughs> he'll load that thing up with one or two rounds and go out into the bay beside them and just rip it off. And it's obnoxiously loud, especially indoors and with these big fireballs. And it really gets their attention, you know. And then he'll usually take the opportunity to then tell them, you know, put your ear pro on because you're not wearing your ear pro or, or follow the rules. It's kind of an interesting way to get their attention when they're not uh, doing what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. 
So, so tell everybody what the TCM is. It's like a nine millimeter, but neck down to 22. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just, it's, it says it's a pri uh, proprietary bottleneck cartridge created from a five, five, six cartridge. Yeah. Developed by custom gunsmith, Fred Craig and rock Island armory. Rock Island. Yeah. For semi-auto pistols. Yeah. See, the, the gun they have there is a 1911. Wow. Chambered in there. Yeah. From I'm 99% sure it's from rock. Island. That's crazy. I don't think I'd ever. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I am going to have to just because I, I eventually I will be putting this on YouTube. So I am definitely going to have to share this, add this to the screen real quick so people can see what it looks like. There you go. That's a crazy short, fat round that's actually necked. Yep. That is so weird looking. Yeah, kind of like a wildcat round. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. There we go. First I'd heard of it. I learned yep. something new today. That's why we have these conversations. Now some other someone else is going to learn now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Now let me let me go back to that. I don't want to I don't want to ask it. I'm getting way ahead. Um okay. Now the last question specifically for you. Your first name Eisenhower? No, Isaac. Okay. Yeah, I figured it was Isaac, but I wanted to go with Eisenhower because it's funnier. Ike Eisenhower, yeah, no, like my Dwight D. Eisenhower. Yeah, my grandfather was <laughs> his nickname was Ike, and okay, when I was born, um, I was like the fourteenth or fifteenth grandchild from seven seven kids. Uh, yeah, my grandfather told my mother said, "I don't care what you name him, but if you if you call him Ike, I'll give you a hundred bucks." So. <laughs> She took the money <laughs> and she named me, named me after him, but also gave me the nickname as well. So, well, now we know your worth, sir. Yeah. hundred bucks. <laughs> hundred bucks. There we yeah. go. I was probably worth 50. So don't worry about it. It's kind of funny that the, <laughs> the NC state champ for four years in a row has been named Isaac. It was Isaac Starnes and then Isaac Hansen, Isaac Hansen, and now Isaac Starnes again. <laughs> Eventually they're going to have to break that streak. Yeah, I hope not. I hope I'm not the one that breaks it. Right. So when did when did you first shoot a gun? Did, you said you grew up in the farmland of North Carolina. So did you grow up yeah. shooting guns? Oh yeah, yeah. I had my first rifle when I was nine. Um, got my first shotgun around eleven. We did not have any handguns. We had one one handgun in the house. It was a blinged out. Um, gold colored 22 revolver and i probably shot that thing i don't know 50 times 50 times my whole life uh but mostly yeah, rifles and shotguns every day during during hunting season get off the bus throw the books down grab a gun and go in the woods uh and and compete with guns with with our neighbors and cousins and friends all the time set up uh you know tin can alley that kind of thing and and try to shoot as fast as we could break bottles break cans uh throw clays and then dove hunting quail hunting a lot of that didn't shoot handguns at all really until i was 21. 
I was living in Charlotte, bought my first handgun, got my CCW and started shooting maybe once or twice a month, go to the range just to shoot my concealed carry. Um, and that was that way for 20 years. Really? 20 years? Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't do any, any competition, uh, nothing more than just once in a while practice with the handgun uh, and the rifles for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And Wow. Yeah. Okay. And in, uh, I, I think it was 2013, somewhere around there, I was shooting a lot. I started shooting with a guy at work. We were shooting two or three times a week. Uh, I live like four miles from the range at Lake Norman. So we were going over there um, in the afternoons after work sometimes or definitely on the weekends and just, you know, burning a lot of ammo, rifle ammo and a little bit of, of pistol ammo. And I'm there one day and this British guy comes up to me and says, hey, you ever think about doing competitions? And immediately, because I'm super competitive, I didn't know anything about that, you know. I thought, okay, let me let me talk to him about this. And uh, he says, yeah, we, we have these pistol competitions. And uh, you run around and you shoot some stuff. And then you run over here and you reload. And you run over there and you shoot stuff. And sometimes you shoot while you're running. And I started getting more interested. And I said, you do that with a rifle? And he goes, no, it's handguns. And I said, uh, yeah, I, I can't really shoot handguns. I'm not very good at it. And when he tells that story, he still adds the, and you're still not, which <laughs> Kind of hurts my feelings. <laughs> uh, Hurtful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, turns out it's David Burton, who now is the match director uh, for our local match. Uh, and I, I said, okay, fine, I'll show up. And I turn up to the match, and my name's S, and my last name's S. So a bunch of guys ahead of me, they get to shoot. And I watch some of these guys run around and shoot and run and shoot, and they're running over here and shooting really fast. And I thought, okay, I'm I'm hooked on this. And I gave up, uh, like literally, I would say within six weeks, I'd given up all other hobbies. No more mountain bike racing, uh, no more golf, no more volleyball. No more. It was just straight up. I'm gonna be a competitive shooter now, and that's all I do is reload and competitive shoot now for ten years. <laughs> he got me. Wow. Up. Okay, so we got to back way up here for a minute. Oops, sorry. So. No, 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 no. That's okay. That that's good story. That's good, but there's like twenty years in there. Need to figure out. So you got, you went to school in yeah. the Charlotte area. Yeah. So where did you go to school at? UNCC. Okay. Yeah. And then I, apparently you got a job in that area. And yeah, it's kind of boring. I I uh, I did some temporary work for this company. And then one night, my senior year, I'm sitting in a class and the, the owner comes in and says, hey, you didn't you used to work for me. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you want to come work for me again? And I said, yeah. And that's it. 30 years I've been on the same company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a very quick story. Yeah, it's a story. It's boring. 30 years in two sentences. <laughs> yep. So, all right. But you're highly competitive. You mentioned something about mountain bike racing. So. Oh, yeah. If, if you only started shooting pistol in 2020, I mean, I'm sorry, when you were 21, but didn't do anything for another 21 years with it, yeah. then what other things did you do competitively in those 21 years? Oh, man, I, I was competitive in softball leagues. I did bowling leagues. We did golf for about five, six years. I did golf. Um, I did mountain bike racing for about three years. Uh, and I play, I've been playing poker for, for 
40 years since I was in my, my teens. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I like to compete no matter what it is. Even if somebody says, you know, we're going to sit down, we're going to play Scrabble. I lo- I'm going to, I'm going to try to win. I like to compete. <laughs> Have you ever sabotaged anybody for a win? Uh, in, in shooting sports? No. And I'm, biking, I'm saying any sport mountain biking, yes. And okay. mountain biking, yes. All right, I'm not disappointed deserved, now. He des- he deserved it. I believe it. I stand behind you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Did you ever look? I've seen videos of mountain bike people who lose control. Did you ever have any of those moments? You have any injuries? Oh my God, that's that's actually why I quit. Um, yeah, they called me Crash for a while. Uh, that was kind of my my nickname because one out of three times I would go, I would go down and go down hard. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that can shorten your lifespan. Yeah. It's, I finally quit because, uh, I, I broke my arm and it got to where the, just to supinate the arm, my left arm hurt really bad and riding on the bike, taking all that abuse. It wasn't feeling any better even after about a year. So, wow. yeah, I finally just quit. Did it finally get better over time? It's, it's better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's always going to be that there's a piece of that bone. That I probably should have had surgery because a piece of that bone kind of sticks out, and when you turn it, it's, it's kind of like constantly grinding. But, yeah. Okay. It is what it is. <clears throat> I got gotcha. you. Now, did you ever compete at a national level at any of the other in any of the other things you did? No. No. Okay. So, this British dude right out of nowhere just approaches you, says, "Hey, you should get into competition." You did. Now, now that's what you're doing. You've been doing it for ten years. So, I assume based on what you said earlier that you started in limited. I did. Um, okay. I showed up for the, the first match with the only gun that I had that seemed like the, the right thing to, to use because I had two magazines and two mag pouches that came with the gun. It was a Springfield 45. Um, I shot, I think, two matches with that. Um, and then I had a 1911 that I just bought like maybe a month before. I started doing the competitions and um, I showed it to, to David Burton. Um, he said, yeah, you can shoot that in limited 10. I said, okay, I'll shoot limited 10. I showed up for a couple matches and shot limited 10 and won both of them. But I was actually the only one there shooting limited 10. So it wasn't a yeah, big I believe it. Yeah. You still would be the only one there. I would still be shooting limited 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And 45 was stupid expensive. So <laughs> I stopped that and I bought a uh, M&P. Well, actually, my wife bought me for Christmas that year. Uh, an M&P, 9mm. I slapped a big-ass brass magwell on it and uh, bought, <laughs> bought magazines and, and Terran Tactical Extensions and shot limited minor for over a year. Yeah. And you, you know, Nils has proven that you can win with a, limited, with a minor power factor gun. Yes, and I think if I had stuck with it, I probably would have beaten Nils if I had stuck with it, but no. I believe it. Uh, yeah, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, I was scheduled to take a class with um, Chris Tilly. Uh, oh, okay. And Chris Tilly had just won the, the national championship the year before that. 
and he was going to be at our um, the closest range to us where we had one of our local matches um, doing a two-day thing where he, he taught a class on Saturday, and that match was actually shot on Sunday, and he would shoot the match with you on Sunday. And I had scheduled that probably like four months in advance. And I said, I don't want to go to this class with him, with this M&P, because I'm planning on buying a 2011 anyway eventually, so I just went ahead and bought one and got it like three weeks before that class was able to practice with it a little bit and then shot the, the class and the match with that. And that's my gun that I shoot in limited now. Um, haven't, haven't upgraded or, or, uh, replaced that one. So your Springfield was not a single stack. No, it, that thing was a double stack 45. I think it held 12 rounds. Um, Whoa. Something like that. Yeah. I actually sold that one right after I got the MP. I sold, I got, got rid of it. <laughs> Goodness, a double stack 45. Yeah. Man. That one, and then I shot just a couple in a couple of matches, uh, an FN 45 double stack that I borrowed okay. from somebody else. Um, yeah, those, that was not fun, really, to be honest with you. <laughs> How thick was that grip, man? It was way too big for me. Even the 2011, actually, is too, I have small hands. But uh, yeah, I like the MP better as far as ergo goes. It's my little hands better. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Double stack 45. Goodness gracious. You know, those straps that uh, you use lifting weights. Yeah. So, you know, when, when the weight exceeds what your forearm capacity is, you put those straps on, I kind of feel like you'd need something like that for a double stack 45. You know what I mean? Let me, let me strap into this uh, grip before we go. Yeah. It's like a hand grenade in your hand. <laughs> yeah. Goodness, you you are you are definitely all about doing different things. I like it. Well, I, I I didn't intentionally do it because I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, nobody does when they start. <laughs> I know that's why when I tell when I talk to people now, I tell them just bring whatever you've got and shoot it, and don't go out run out and buy something until you figure out what you know division you want to play in, um, or at so least you, until you're going to go to a Chris Tilly. Or Class. if you have some, yeah, some incentives, some yeah. caps, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how long has it been, though, since you've shot a limited match, even with your 2011? Oh, I still shoot limited matches all the time. Um, oh, we shoot, okay. Yeah, we shoot um, at Spartanburg um, at least once a month, uh, and they do not allow PCC there, so I'll always uh, shoot limited there. Um, once in a while, I'll shoot carry optics there, but yeah. I like, I, I like the limited better. Um, and then we have a, so I shoot about eight matches a month. We shoot two indoor matches that are outlaw matches, not, uh, not sanctioned. And I'll shoot pistol in both of those, unless there's like something coming up where I want to get some extra reps in for PCC. Like when there's a, a major match coming up, um, in the action pistol match, I'll still shoot my PCC, but otherwise I'm shooting either my limited gun or my MMP carry optics gun. Okay. Now, are they just racist? Why do they not allow PCC? Uh, he has a problem with the the neighbors, basically. He's had problems there for years. Um, when rounds leave leave the range, he gets in trouble. Uh, so he just has a policy that there's no rifles there at all. No rimfire even, nothing. Oh, wow. So even if you're not shooting okay. a match, like if you're just a member of the range and you want to go practice, uh, there's no rifles allowed. Well, that sucks for everybody. I know. 
Yeah, but the guys that I shoot with, they enjoy it because they give me crap when I show up with my, you know, my five inch gun. They and they make fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, I get it. Somebody's always got to ruin it for people, you know. know. <clears throat> Damn neighbors! Why can't they just sell and move? Yeah, I think he's actually going to wind up having to move, but. Oh, damn. It's unfortunate. Yeah, that is. So when you, once you classified as master at that um, all classifier match, was that what solidified in your mind, I'm going to go ahead and shoot PCC? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I had shot two or three major matches before that uh, in limited. And... Once I made master in PCC, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to keep going to see how far I can take it. Um, and within about three or four months, I got really close to GM. Um, pushed it way too hard, pulled the average back down, and then I decided I'm not going to try to force it and make it happen. I'm just going to shoot matches and shoot the classifier stages like any other state, try to win the match. Uh, unless I'm you know, shooting that match for some type of a practice. Like sometimes I'll shoot the local matches and say, you know, today I'm just going to go as fast as I can go and see what I can do speed wise. Or sometimes I'll just say today I'm going to shoot, you know, try to shoot a hundred percent of the points. Um, but I just decided I'm going to shoot the matches and try to win the matches and shoot the classifiers like any other state. And it just eventually happened. It took a while, but yeah, just eventually happened. At what point did you get serious enough about it? that you decided you were going to become a match director? Oh, so um, David Burton, the, the British guy. Uh, we'll just forever call him the British guy. We don't even have to use his name. The British guy. Sure. Uh, we call okay. him Mr. Burton. Most of us call him Mr. Burton. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I'm going to call him Halliburton. Yeah, he was running the um, outlaw match. It was called the Action Pistol Series or something like that. And he, he then decided he was going to go ahead and get a sa uh, sanction and become affiliated with USPSA, make it official. And I'm showing up every, every week. We're running two a week, uh, two a month. So I'm showing up uh, early and helping him set up and stuff. And because, I, I, you know, I like to, I like to volunteer to, to make sure um, that I'm kind of giving something back, but also it's, it's sort of selfish if I volunteer and help set up the stages and stuff, I get some extra time to look at the stages or whatever. Um, and usually you get to shoot for free. Um, mm -hmm. if, you, if you volunteer, um, you help make sure that the match director is not doing all by himself and doesn't get burnt out and decide, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I was so into it and so enjoying it that I don't want any of it to end. Um, sort of the same thing happened with uh, the Roan match. The Roan match was putting out uh, calls for help saying um you know if you turn up and and help set up on saturday morning before the match show up at seven o'clock you can uh, shoot the match for free and guarantee yourself a spot in the match and at the time that thing was filling up literally within 10 minutes and i said okay, you know this is beneficial to me I'm, it's a little bit selfish i'll sign up i get to shoot for free get to see the stages get to guarantee myself a spot and it kind of grew from there um burton and i became really good friends um, we travel every weekend somewhere to shoot and he, he kind of depends on me to set up sort of half the match. 
he sets up the other half and then I help RO. Um, and that's kind of how it, how it came to be. Okay. So it sounds like he, he kind of mentored you a little bit too. Oh, hundred percent. Um, okay. yeah, he was, he was big into limited at the time. Um, basically at the time when we were, when we were starting that, that, uh, and getting that thing going, it was production and limited. That was the two big divisions. Um, and he was shooting limited at the time and he starts giving me tips and pointers. And, uh, he's the one that recommended the, um, the 2011. So yeah, definitely. And not just that also the, the non-shooting stuff as well. He talked me into going and getting my RO certification. And then later we did, we did CRO. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Any chance you'll do range master? I don't know. Uh, I've actually talked to a couple other range masters about that and uh, John Royer as well. Um, there's semi opportunity here for us to, to maybe start another club or another match at a range that's close by. So it's not something I've ruled out. I would, I would sort of be interested in it, but uh, no immediate plans for that. Okay. Now, when I had John on, we talked about the Carolina Classic and how he reached out to all the match directors and asked everybody to submit some stage plans for the Carolina Classic. You were one of the individuals who did. Um, now, which stage was yours? Mine was uh, number three, Frogger, which is what they named it. Uh, it was the three per, three shots per, per uh, target stage. Okay. Yeah, you know, I did that to give, because his his instructions were he wanted a flavor of all the different uh, North Match Carolina record. matches. Yep. And um, so one of the things that we do at our, at our indoor matches, we can only shoot straight down range. So I kind of designed something and uh, did it to, to mm. mimic something that we would have had in our at our indoor match. Um, and it got changed a little bit once we got to the uh, setup, but it pretty much still captured exactly what I tried to do. Was other than the three per target to give the flavor of what you, you typically do, where you did you put anything in there to test any certain skills or anything like that? Yeah, so um, because we're indoors, um, we don't have 180 degrees. Uh, we do have the ability when you're shooting down close to the berm to shoot kind of close to the 180, but you can't, I mean, we just, we don't have it. Um, so typically what we do with the indoor stuff is if we want, want to give challenge certain things, we can challenge distance by obviously backing up because we've got about 25 yards. So we can, we can shoot some long shots sort of at, like at the beginning of a stage or maybe at the end of the stage, um, or we can do partials. And so what I did on that stage was, um, I put some open targets out on the outside to give people uh, sort of a false sense of, I can just rip three cause it's three per you can get, you can get kind of sucked into, I'm just going to rip three and, and move. Right. Um, but then on the inside targets uh, there was two tuxedos and there was a, another open target to let you kind of change gears if you wanted to, or shoot a little bit on the move if you just, if you desire. And then two partials with no shoots. And then we tucked, uh, the two targets that were the, the tuxedos, we tucked them in behind barrels and really buried them and hid them. 
right? And we had people run past them. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So there was stage planning uh, skill involved there, uh, you know, trying to keep mental focus, um, the ability to kind of change gears if you wanted to really rip fast. And then there was some accuracy tests as well, involved as well. Okay. I'm trying to see, I'm going through my footage right now. I'm trying to find a, I know I videoed, there we go. I got Luigi on stage three. I think it was three. Yeah. Longer, 27. Oh, okay. Stage. Oh, the left to right with the, you go up front too. Yep. It was a big horseshoe type stage. Uh, start outside okay. the shooting area and you could go either left or right. And Yeah, uh, let me. Let me share this real quick. So while you talk about it, um, we'll have Luigi demonstrate for us. How about that? Oh, that's fine. Can you see that? I'm just going to put it right over top of us for now. I can. Okay. So here's the start. Yep. And you could go left or right. Uh, a lot of the guys chose to go left and shoot the lean because that was a hard lean on the left side. Okay. And there you can see him making that lean. Uh, some yep. people were on the move like he kind of did there. Some people ran and posted up. Um, it looks like he almost went past one of the targets. He here. ran past the, the tux that was buried behind the barrels. Exactly. He had to go back. Okay. Um, and there were, a, I mean, I would say there were probably um, one or two people out of every squad that ran past those those tux uh, and had to come back. A couple people forgot them completely. Um and a lot of people forgot that it was three. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is good. I mean, it, it challenged them mentally. I, I do remember the, the stage now. Yeah, we had one guy that shot the entire stage from left to right to per. And after he fired the second <laughs> shot on the last target, he, yeah, he yelled a, 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 a expletive and then shot one per all the way back, except... <laughs> He, he ran past the tucks. So he only put uh, two. Yeah, he only put two on the side. Oh my gosh. Now that is he engaged the target, so it's just a mic, correct? Just a mic, no failure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. At the, end, at the end of the stage, I won't forget that one. He said, I enjoyed that stage so much I shot it twice. Because he shot it left and then he shot it right. That's hysterical. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess one mic is better than nine. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't imagine. That's hilarious. Now, go back for just a second. How was the class with Chris? Um, I don't have anything to compare it to because I haven't taken any other classes. Okay. Uh, actually, I should take that back because I've, I've, I've worked with... Um, one of the, the local firearms instructors and I've been in his class. Um, so I kind of know what he does too, but um, I would say it was beneficial, especially at the point that I was at, at the time. Um, he, he worked on things like grip and, you know, fundamentals and side alignment and the draw and all that stuff. Um, okay. Most of it I didn't need at the time, but he also worked on, uh, some drills. He taught us some drills to do. Um, those, unfortunately for me, not not beneficial because I don't have access to an outdoor range. I'm not a member at any outdoor range. Um, all my training, all my practice for live fire is basically done in a square range indoors 
straight down range with one or some simulated smaller targets basically straight in front of me. Um, but he taught us how to, how to, to train and what you should look for, um, what you should try to get out of your training when you're running drills and stuff like that. So I would say it was somewhat beneficial. Um, to be honest with you, more, what I got most out of was that we shot about five or 600 rounds that day. Um, and that was good just to get that much trigger time at once, especially with somebody who's a, you know, a world champion, um, right. Standing there watching you. Uh, and he can tell you something if he, if he sees something, you know, crazy wrong. Um, but yeah, that's the only class I ever took. Uh, haven't really had the desire to take any others. Um, I considered taking a class with, uh, Tom Castro and I was actually about to do it. And then a bunch of personal stuff came up and ruined the, mm. ruined the opportunity. And I've never really gotten back to doing that. Um, uh, probably if I were going to take one, um, I'd kind of like to do it with Tom because he also shoots PCC and at a very high level. And right. if I were going to get pointers or things like that, I think he would probably be a good one to, to give them. But yeah, that was the only one. He, I he'd probably even give you all the tips and tricks, uh, how Nils used his canic to win. Maybe. Cause Tom shoots a canic. Yep. He does. Um, so now we should say for those people just listening, you do have dry fire targets behind you. Yes. And you just said you, I'm like you, I am a member of an Isaac Walton and we do have ranges and I can go shoot. The problem is I'm not allowed to shoot and move and I'm not allowed to do any rapid fire shooting. So, so in a way I'm kind of like you, yep, you know, I once had four targets across. Nobody was there on this bay, but me. So I had four targets and I could, I had, the way I had them staggered, I would do a 19 yard transition from one to another, to another, to the end. But this is also the, the summer I was really starting. I was just starting to hit uh, score a class classifiers. And I was putting in a lot of work, a lot of dry fire, live fire when I could, but I was at the range and I was like, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> and I had a guy come over and say, cease fire, you're rapid firing. I'm like, uh, how, how, how am I rapid firing? If I'm doing two, 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 two. And I looked at the camera and I'm like, look, man, you can go up to the, the building right now and look at the footage. You will see me move from target to target as I'm shooting. So he's like, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. But so I have this, and most of them are nice, but you do have a few people kind of like those neighbors who have done some things that make it difficult for anybody else to be able to do anything. Yep. Um, so how much dry fire then, cause you are a GM and PCC, how much dry fire do you do? So when I, when I first decided I was going to shoot, um, the, uh, PCC, I put in a ton of dry fire. Um, Every night, basically, for two or three weeks, I was coming home and working on something, either um, just static shooting, uh, shooting and reloading. Uh, I worked on, so like on Monday night, I, would, I found this YouTube video, which I, which I really like. I still use it from time to time. It's about seven and a half minutes long. It's a guy out of Washington. Um, it's called uh, Gun Aim PowerPoint, and his YouTube name is Gun Robot. You, you might have seen him. Um, 
it's about seven minute video. He just presents these different presentations to you, um, and you and you dry fire them. Uh, so on Monday night, I came home and I would just shoot that standing steel flat footed. And sometimes I would shoot it once or twice. Sometimes I would shoot it more, depending on how I felt, if I was getting something out of it. And then on Tuesday night, I would go in the left side of the, the, the living room and shoot the whole thing left to right. So I would shoot each presentation left to right, shoot it on the move. And then on Wednesday, I would do the same thing, but go right to left. And that that is how I kind of started working on shooting uh, on the move. And I did that for two or three weeks uh, leading up to the classifier match. And I think that that, that really helped me. Um, and then after that, the, the dry fire wasn't as much until about four or five months after that. And then I would I, I got back into I'm just going to to work on the dry fire. And I did that again every night uh, during the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, shoot a match on Thursday. Um, on Friday, I would go to the range at lunch and do live fire, shoot a match on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I'm back over at the range doing some live fire. And I did that for three or four weeks. And then finally it clicked and I made gym. Okay. Now, how much dry fire training do you do now? Because again, I mean, you do have targetry behind you, so I'm sure you do some dry fire. Yes, I, I do. Um, so what I'll do is on the nights that I need to make ammo, um, if I have some, you know, match coming up and I need to make ammo, I'm going to do uh, load 100 rounds and then do 10 minutes of dry fire. And then that usually happens about twice a week. Um, sometimes I'm doing it here in the room, just standing flat footed uh, and maybe work on reloads. Uh, and sometimes I'm doing it outside, working on um, a little bit of movement as well. So I'll put stuff up in the in the backyard and I'll go in, and do left to right or right to left. Okay. That's typically two, three nights a week. Now, when you say in the backyard, are you far enough away from your neighbors or do they not care? No, I live in a, in a townhouse. So they're looking right down into the backyard. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. yeah. They know. Uh, they've seen, yeah, and I've had the conversations out in the front on the sidewalk. They say, yeah, I see you out there with that uh, gun. What are, what are you doing? And I explained to them. Is that that's the only thing that stopped me from going out so far and dry firing in my backyard is people like, Oh my goodness. Yeah, so, all right. So a couple of questions then about some things you just said, you say when you need to load ammo, so you load all your PCC ammo. I load all my ammo for both PCC and uh, pistol. I load 40 okay. for my limited gun. And I load nine for my PCC. Um, you, you load what for your limited gun? 40. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought, I literally thought you said 44 and I was like, what? No, no 40. <laughs> yeah. You are going to win power factor, sir. Yeah. And then <laughs> for my, uh, if I shoot a major in limited or a serious match in limited, I buy from John. I buy outdoor dynamics. Oh, okay. All right. So like I went to the uh, bluegrass low cap championship this year mm -hmm. yeah, and I didn't want to take my, my hand loads to that I got I bought from John. How did you like that match? I love that match because I don't I don't really like low cap stuff at all. Um, Nobody does. The British guy, he talked me into going with him because he shoots revolver. <laughs> That's his thing. Okay. Yeah. What? Yes, he got into the revolver about five years ago, and he's he's been doing that ever since. Um, 
what? Oh my goodness! Okay, yeah. so he he's foreign and he shoots revolver. What I in know, the world? I know. Crazy. Yeah. Went with uh, him and Matt Hopkins. Uh, okay. We that, yeah, we shot that match together. It was fun. Okay. You think you'll do that again? I think we will do that again. Mm. So probably, I, I think it was around April time frame. So probably like February, March, I'll start shooting limited 10 and shoot limited 10 for a few matches and try, try to get into the swing of that again. Now, Leif runs that, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He, he, here's a spoiler alert. He's going to be on the show soon. Yeah. I think he's running for, for area as well. Area five too. Yeah. 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 So it should be a good conversation as well. Now, just some weird Dave questions. Now, what grain bullet are you using for your PCC? For the PCC, I settled, um, about two years ago, maybe a year ago. No, not a year ago. Yeah, about two years ago on the 135 grain bullet from Summit City. Um, prior to that, I was shooting um, 124 grain. Uh, but I like the, the 135 heavier bullet. I can load it and shoot it a little bit slower. Um, and I, I like the way that feels. Okay. And at what distance do you zero your gun? Your PCC. Five. Yeah, both my my main optic and my forty five optic are zeroed at fifty. Interesting. Okay. Very interesting. Any any plans on um, or any desire? I shouldn't say plans. Any desire to be the match director for something like the Carolina Classic? Oh man, I don't know. Where a lot of work yeah um i think i would probably do it uh i like i've, I've volunteered for that match now four years in a row both setup crew and ro and the same for area six so i've done setup from from first nail uh first barrel whatever you want to call it, all the way till things are back into the barn um four years in a row so i have some experience with that part um and I've talked with people who are match directors, like the British guy and John about match directing. So I, I think I could do it. I'm, I'm somewhat interested in it, but I would also, before I would volunteer for that, I would like to do um, a local match for a year or so first. Mm, and we're we're okay. thinking about doing that. We're, we're thinking about starting another match at a different range. Um, maybe within the next year, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not, but we've talked about it. Now, I, I need you to confirm or deny something. I think John was either on meth or crack at the time, but he made the comment that they built all the stages for the Carolina Classic in one day. One day. Are, are you guys all like coming in, snorting a line of crack and then running out there and putting it all together? How do you nope. do all those stages in one day? No, we're, we're just good. Apparently, apparently nope. you guys have the blueprint for perfection. Well, yeah. Most of the people who showed up for the setup crew are people who run, help, help us do the setup for the monthly row and match. So we know where everything is. Um, We've done it a hundred times, actually, probably more than that. Um, 
so it wasn't that difficult. The year before the Carolina Classic, we did two days of setup, um, and it was just too much. We didn't need it all. Um, That's exactly what him and Stephanie said. Yeah, we just didn't need exact it all. Exact same thing. It was, like, yeah, oh, it was, it was actually, too much time. It was horrible. <laughs> was, I mean, it was actually more wearing on us because what we did was we set up the match on Wednesday. We came in on Thursday morning. We did a little bit of stuff, not much. The The range master showed up and you know wanted to move this or move that, whatever. But we kind of just sat around from like 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning until 1. And then it was time for us to shoot. And oh, yeah. And so, as a as a staff setup person and then a competitor, that was just too much. It, it didn't work out well. Um, this year was much better, especially for me, because I, I mean, the way it worked for me this year was I, I did setup crew. Uh, the next day, I did RO, uh, designated RO, for the other ROs, and then. On Saturday, I showed up and did just some RO duties all day. And then I was able to shoot on Sunday as a staff reset match, like a regular competitor. So it worked out better for me. Um, I, I enjoyed that much, much better. Yeah. I mean, you can actually focus on competing yeah. and yeah, not splitting duties. Yeah, I nope. get it. Okay. Now, the, the individuals who did it the other way, um, did anybody, did you hear of any feedback where they didn't, they would prefer to do the way you did it? I, it, nobody that I know of complained about any of that this year. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure all of the people who were on setup crew either shot um, as a regular competitor on Saturday or as a regular competitor on Sunday so that they got this kind of the same, same benefits. Okay. Same plan. Yeah. Now the other ROs, most of them did, not most of them, almost all of them were not there on setup day. So they showed up and shot and had a de designated RO. Um, so they still had to reset, still had to paste, but they didn't have to run the tablet or the timer. So right. it was a little bit less wearing on them. Um, well, it's like a normal competitor at any any non-Area 6 match. Yeah. So like if I go to Area 8, I'm pasting, I'm resetting, I'm, I'm doing all of that. So, yep. so, okay. Yep. That's still, I mean, it's a good deal though, when you don't have to worry about doing that, trying to shoot, get your gear ready, run the tablet or, or a timer. You know what I mean? So yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. That that's, that's a good setup that you guys have a good thing going down there. Now, what do you, do you have any, grander schemes in the arena of competition yourself. Like I assume you went to open PCC Nats. I shot for the third time this year. Um, I actually staffed and okay. Shot, yeah. Shot the staff days. We shot two days. That was brutal. I won't do that. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've shot, Three PCC Nationals. This is my third one. I did not go last year. Um, I'll probably go next year. Uh, just depends. I don't know. We'll see. So any Ipsic Nationals, anything like that? No. I shoot um, North Carolina Championship. I shoot South Carolina. I shoot Georgia when they hold it. They didn't hold it this year. Uh, Area 6. Um, and then we shoot the Florida Sectional every year in December. 
Um, that's pretty much the major match schedule. Uh, we also shot the, that low cap. And I plan on shooting that again next year. And I think I'm going to shoot Virginia next year. I did not shoot Virginia this year. Um, I wished I had. And I will probably do it next year. They, they had some good stages. So I don't know if you saw any of the video, but there were some good, some I good stages. A lot of those videos. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a good match, but you, you but you also go to Kentucky and shoot the low cap there too. Yeah, we shot that, that this year and we're going to, I'm pretty sure we're going to shoot. We're going to plan on shooting that again next year if they have it. Okay. So, so no, um, what's the word I want to <laughs> So no goals for world shoots or anything like that? No. I'm, I, I mean, I had goals going into last year, and I had goals going into this year. Uh, last year, I, I missed on almost all the goals. Um, this year, I've hit on most of them. Um, so I'm happy with that. If I can set similar goals for next year and try to reach them, um, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Okay. How long do you, I, let me, let me rephrase that. Do you see yourself, you've been at the same company for 30 years. You see yourself retiring from there anywhere and focusing more on your quote unquote hobby. Oh, I would love to. Um, I would quit tomorrow if I thought I could you know, sustain financially. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. Uh, but yeah, eventually it, it'll, That'll come. Okay. I've been, uh, for the last year or so, uh, I've been doing some work at the range. Uh, I teach a class there once a month. It's an introduction to competition shooting class. Uh, so, yeah, working working in that, in that uh, direction, but uh, it'll be a while. Okay. Do you see yourself expanding the instruction? part of things. Well, yeah, we've talked about that before too. Um, we, we, we need to get more people involved um, because the, the, the participation in the class has actually fallen off a lot. After the first six months or so, it was, you know, it was really good. Um, we had a lot of participation. Uh, I was going on Sundays a lot to the range and watching people shoot and kind of hanging out and then inviting people. Uh, and that would either get them to show up for our, our outlaw match or to take the class. Um, but the participation has dropped off a lot the last two, three months. Uh, so we need to get that back up first. But we've also talked about doing like, like a level two or a, a, a more advanced class where you teach people. Because the, the class that we teach right now is really just about rules, uh, about scoring, mm. about how to not get DQ'd. Right. It's for beginners. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, we, we do a 30 minute class presentation and we take them out on the range for about two hours and we do drills where we do everything from just start with drawing the gun. Can you safely draw the gun? Can you safely turn and draw the gun? Can you go left to right with a loaded gun? Can you go forward and, and backwards with a loaded gun? And then we set up a stage, uh, it's like about a 15, 16 round stage and shoot it three or four times and, you know, clap for the guys and tell them what a great job they did and come out to the match. And so that's how we're, we were feeding a lot of new people into the match and generating uh, interest in the matches. Um, but we need to do something like a level two type class, you know, more about 
uh, entries and exits and transitions and, uh, you know, maybe some gamer stuff like, you know, how can you improve your, your um, gaming of a stage, that kind of stuff. Okay. So gotta get the yeah. interest first. Right. But do you think some of that falling off period is just the end of the season type thing? I really don't know because we've been doing it, like I said, for about a year. I don't really have any any kind of metrics to compare it to. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, if I had to guess, I would say it's more because we're just not driving the people there anymore or as much as we were before. Um, I, I haven't gone on a Sunday over there in probably four months, which maybe correlates to the, you know, not dri driving as much uh, traffic. Um, I don't okay. think the range sells it very well. Uh, I don't think they push people. But when I'm going over there on a Sunday and hanging out, you know, I'm watching people shoot. I'm talking to them. I'm saying, hey, would, you know, you ever interested? Kind of exactly what David did for with me. Um, okay. You know, identify people that look like they might be interested and then show them a video or uh, invite them over to shoot my limited gun and say, you know, how, how would you like to shoot this really fast, you know? And I think that was driving people and not doing it as much anymore probably hurt. I just don't know. What are the local participation numbers like around there? Are they steady? Are the, are the matches still filling up rapidly or? Oh yeah. Um, the Roan match doesn't um, fill up like it used to in terms of the time because before COVID literally you had to be in the browser practice score, pressing F5 and, and, register within 10 minutes if you missed it you missed it um and like i said before one of the reasons i started volunteering was to avoid all that because i was a little bit selfish you know I'll, I'll go and spend a little extra time to get in um the lake norman matches it was exactly the same the because we were running two a month uh official matches and they would fill up uh during covid it fell off like you could imagine and not so much because people didn't want to shoot it was because ammo was expensive and hard right. to get. Yep. Um, and so we cut back to just one a month for a while. Uh, and I don't remember exactly when we started doing two again. I would say probably near the end of last year, we started doing two again. Um, and now we turn people away for because we, we're shooting two official USPSA matches and two outlaw matches a month at the indoor range. And... Burton turns people away. He'll, he'll have full sign up within a day or so. Um, and we open it, we open the registration up a week early to club members. Okay. Um, sometimes the club members choose not to sign up. And so then non-club members will get in. Um, but yeah, it fills up and we have, I'm going to say five or six on the wait list every, every match. Uh, then the other outdoor matches, Rowan pretty much fills up every month. Um, Sir Walter fills up pretty much every month. The CGGR, we don't shoot that one as much as we used to because uh, we go to Belton uh, more often, more frequently. And Belton fills up as well. Uh, I don't think in the, in our part of Area 6, there's no um, lack of demand. I think that there could Supplies be more supply. A problem. I, think we could, I think somebody could provide more supply. Yeah, and I was just pulling up Fredericksburg's um, last two local matches because that's where I'm at, and we had the same problem. I had Matt Hopkins on one time, and I was talking to him, and I told him, I said, 
I got on practice score three minutes after the match opened and it was already full and I was on a wait list. Yep. And lat so they just had the state match at the beginning of October. So there was no local. It was the beginning of September. They had 142 shooters. And in August, they had 158 shooters for a local match. Yep. I, I, I can't tell you because I keep stats on all of the level two and above matches and right. on the USPSA website to track to see what the numbers are, participation in each division. And I, I've seen a whole bunch of level two and above matches that don't have 158 shooters. Yeah. So it, it, we, we kind of have, we have fewer matches or ranges around than you guys do. So that's part of the issue. You know, we're all trying to jam into, into one shoe, you know, you got 75 feet trying to go into one shoe. It doesn't work very well. Um, Yeah. We're kind of lucky because we can get in the car or the truck and drive two hours on any Saturday and be at at a really, really decent match. Like I can go and shoot Chris Tilly's match, or I can go and shoot uh, at Belton with Hopkins and Tyler Meisenheimer. Um, I can go to CGGR and shoot with uh, Charles Linker and uh, Billy Barton. And uh, I mean, tons of guys. Uh, we can go to Spartanburg. Spartanburg's a small match, but you go down there and you shoot, you're, gonna, you're still going to shoot with three or four GMs and uh, David Lyle or. Um, some of those guys. I mean, tons of good shooters okay. and tons of good matches. Do you see yourself? Uh, do you do you see yourself at all not shooting this game? Not for a long time. I've become totally addicted. I, I told you, I, I stopped all other hobbies. I actually gave a four thousand uh, dollar racing mountain bike away i just gave it to another buddy i said you, you gave it. it away i just gave it to him because i gave I, I i mean i gave up everything for this well i mean it is suicide on two wheels but mountain biking yeah. <laughs> competitive mountain biking is not recreational but oh my goodness uh, yeah my wife gets here. upset because it's it's an addiction i think and uh i i, I put a lot into it yeah, I think that's what happens to a lot of us. We end up getting bit by that bug. And I mean, I started shooting rifle stuff long before I did pistol. So I was addicted to, I, I grew up around it actually. So my first job was actually taking scorecards on a rifle range to a um, trailer that had all the, the, the women, there were four women in there and a huge dry race board. I'd take the scorecards from the firing line, either on my bicycle or on my motorbike or my moped or whatever it was that I was using. And I would go all the way down, drop them off and come back. And I'd make like $10 a day. I was like 12 years old. So back in the seventies, I'm 10 bucks a day. I'm down with that. You know, I make 20 bucks, 30 bucks on a weekend. Shoot. I was rich. So I, am (laughs) I've been around it my whole life. So I get it. It's uh, I was out of it for a while and got back into it. It's like, you can't, 
it sucked me back in. It's like quicksand. Those are all the questions I have. Was there anything we we mentioned that we didn't touch on enough? No. Okay. I, then I do. I reserve this one last question um, right. when I remember it, and I remember it today. So I, I have some synapses firing up there somewhere. Um, what does your make ready look like? Uh, I don't do the whole um, typical GM make ready for three minutes. I, uh, no, I, I stand and I wait for, for, I did not say that. That was Ike. <laughs> I, I stand and make ready, uh, wait for the make ready command. I jerk the flag out, I put it in my pocket. The, the magazine goes in the magwell. I hit it twice because I learned my lesson early on to make sure it's seated. So I hit it twice and then I pull on it. Then I rack it and put the safety on and I'm ready to go. I don't spend a whole okay. lot of time. All right. Wasting people's time. So if you, you have a very brief um, make ready. So by the time you walk up, you, you've got everything mentally programmed, ready to go. You, you don't need to run through it in your head. No. I, the mental stuff is probably my biggest uh, weakness anyway. So I don't, I don't see the need to waste people's time while I stand there and try to remember what I'm supposed to do. If I don't have it by that point, it's probably not going to work anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, Ike, I do appreciate you coming on. It's been a good conversation. Good. Thank you. My pleasure. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.